Welcome to the Spurs Up Show, home of the best Gamecocks content on the internet. The following is brought to you by our friends over at Prize Picks. Go download the Prize Picks app or go to prizepicks.com. And when you do, use the promo code TSUS to receive a 100% instant deposit match up to. $100. Price Picks is the simplest fantasy game on the market focused around prop total entries. You pick two to six players and you can win up to 10 times on any entry. Price Picks has no sharks, automizers, or mass multi entry. It's literally just you against the projection. They also allow mixed sport entry. So, for example, you can take the over on LeBron, parlay with the under on Mahomes. They've got college sports, pro sports, literally anything and everything you can think of. They have got it over at Prize Picks. They also have a slick, easy to use mobile app, both on the App Store and Google Play. And they're rated 4.8 stars in the App Store with Rave. Review. So many fans and listeners of the Spurs Up Show have made tons of money with our friends at Prize Picks, and you should as well. So, again, go download the Prize Picks app or go to prizepicks.com. And when you do, use the promo code TSUS to receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Be sure to check them out and tell them that Chris from the Spurs Up Show sent you. Let's get it! We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need indeed. Hey, um, good to be back with you today, Chris. Uh, only Tuesday that feels like a Monday. So <laughs> there you go. I think that's the case for everybody because of the uh, the Memorial Day weekend holiday. And everything. How was your Memorial Day, by the way? Did you do anything special or or uh, no, just kind of hung out or what? Kind of relaxed. Spent some time with family. Uh, got on this yard project. We're building a patio. So was hauling uh, <clears throat> uh, cinder blocks and stuff. I cut my in-laws grass. Um 
And then Sunday, I cooked out. It was pretty good, pretty tasty, and uh, waited for the uh, selection shows uh, Sunday and then yesterday, and just sort of took it easy yesterday. And uh, but uh, boy, I, I it totally lost. I was up early and ready to go, thinking it was Monday. And uh, I'm on 107.5 every Tuesday in Columbia. You know the game with Bill. And my phone rings at six. I'm like, who's calling me this early? And I'm looking. I'm like, oh, it's Tuesday. So uh, uh, that kind of threw me off a little bit. But uh, certainly glad to be with you. What's on the JC Sherbert menu when you barbecue? What 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 do you what do you like to you like to grill out? Like what are you going with? It depends. I, I do grill. I, I, I'm pretty. I'm really good at steaks. Uh, so okay. like we had, we bought a big side of. Uh, I guess you call it a side of beef. I don't know. A big thing of you know non non cut New York strips. And so Nat cut them up. I mean, got like 17 steaks out of this. It was $82. Pretty good one. Pretty good size ones, too. Um, season them up. You know, sometimes I'll go with a little marinade. Most of the time, it's just salt and pepper. And I just, you know, cook them up right. And that was good. And then uh, that was on Sunday. And yesterday, we did a little grilling, too. It was kind of low-key. But we did some brats and uh, some burgers and hot dogs and things like that. And I'm, I finally figured out my brats because – I was just throwing them on the grill raw. You can't do that. You got to boil them in beer for like 20 minutes and then sear them on the grill. And that makes all the difference for the bratwurst. So I did boil that, them uh, in beer. I, I, how am I just now learning about this? Yeah, it's like half water and then take like a can of Miller Lite or your whatever beer you like right. and throw it in there and it all boils up and they smell good. And then they're cooked, they're cooked yeah. through and you put them on the grill to kind of sear in the flavor and, yeah, my buddy was like, I'm like, how am I burning these all the time? Because they're they're not done, but they're getting charred on the outside. He's like, ah, you're doing it wrong. Uh, and mm. so shout out to my buddy Skip for <laughs> teaching me how to do the brats, but they work great about that? using that method. It's pretty solid. Well, I just learned something new today, J.C. Sherbert, and I didn't know it'd be about cooking. But on the note of cooking, I was going to say, because you mentioned that steak is your specialty. And it's just funny for anybody out there who doesn't know, if you think Gamecock Twitter gets crazy, steak Twitter, cooking Twitter. Post a picture of your steak. Bro, it is, I posted a picture of steak one time on Twitter. I'll never do it again. If you got that, some people, they don't just grill meat. They like – it is like a religion cooking meat. I'm like, dude, I'm just trying to eat dinner, man. But some – you know, and respect to them. Mad respect. But some people go all out when it comes to the way they cook their meat. So Yeah, I, I get a <laughs> kick out of that. Yeah, that that's probably yeah. one of the most po more positive things about social media is you do get <laughs> – Pretty good uh, yeah. recipes. I mean, I yeah. follow this dude, this this dude named Pepper Belly Pete. Uh, he has uh, he's kind of become a celebrity with it's just this old Texas boy that cooks. He's like, all right, let's get started. Hot skillet with a little oil. Got two pounds of ground chuck. Got this. I mean, he calls it out in a cadence. Cooks it up all deliciously. Uh, he has sauce. I mean, it, it's a the cooking world has completely changed based on uh, social media. And unlike most of uh, the topics we discuss as human beings, I, I think cooking outside of the overreaction you may get about something you, you cook personally, which is my case, I don't like it either. But uh, you learn so much. You're like, man, that's either a good idea or you're like, oh, that's a terrible idea, you know? And so I think all of our palates, um, you know, benefit from social media. And you can't really say that about uh, most other parts of our lives, right? That is very true. All right. Well, you're making me hungry, JC. So let's get off the food and into the Gamecocks talk. Um, we're going to talk Columbia Regional, obviously, in full breakdowns. And we'll do a lot of that this week, of course. I know I'm coming on you guys' show on Friday, which will be a lot of fun as we 
look ahead to all the games and the action, stuff like that. But first thing I want to get to, JC, is this. Just, you know, South Carolina's fate as a regional host, it was not a guarantee. It was not a certainty. The Gamecocks were awaiting their fate. I know I talked to you early on Sunday, and, you know, everybody seemed to feel pretty good based off the people you would talk to, the contacts you had. The Gamecocks would be a host. Um, what does it say to you that South Carolina was selected? Because the Campbell Campbells, who were in the regional, they're not too thrilled about the selection. Boston College, they may not be too thrilled about it, and the SEC shows their dominance yet again. Um, you know, you look at RPI, strength of schedule. I think the SEC brand, JC, honestly helped out a lot. Your overall thoughts, though, on just the fact that South Carolina was selected, what does it say to you about what the committee was looking at? And did you feel like it was well-deserved for the Gamecocks to be hosting postseason baseball? Based on what the committee – different committees value different things, and, and this gets frustrating, uh, especially when you're on the wrong end of it. Like, I'll never forget Frank Martin's – uh, 2016 men's basketball team, 20, what, 23 wins, uh, got left out because they didn't have but so many top 50 victories. Uh, and the little athletic director from Oklahoma who led his buddy's team in from Tulsa uh, used that as the reason. And I'm like, well, what's their record against teams ranked 50 to 60? And they had something like five or six wins. So I'm like, that's just so arbitrary, you know, to cut cut that out. Uh, I don't like the net much better, uh, but you have some committees that value certain things. It's like, well, this is the year we're going to value this. And, and that's in baseball and basketball, probably any committee you deal with, except the college football playoff committee. And they're all like 1980s style. Oh, if you lose one, you're out kind of deal. But uh, it, uh, I, I think that in, uh, in basketball and baseball, both, you, you value different things. This year – in spite of John Cohen, the Auburn athletic director, be going on the record and saying, oh, the RPI is getting antiquated and old. We may need to rethink it. This committee really kind of went straight with the RPI. And, uh, and, you know, 15 of the top 16 RPI teams got to host. Campbell was the one that did not. Um, you know, I, I think if you're just going by RPI, quality wins, strength of schedule, all those metrics – uh, and you're counting the whole year. The Gamecocks were a, were a no-brainer. Um, if they got punished by their finish, it's that they're a 15 seed, not a eight or a nine. Um, as far as Campbell hosting, uh, if I were mad, I probably wouldn't be mad at South Carolina or the SEC. I'd probably be mad at Indiana State because I think here's what happened: when you look at Campbell's resume and you look at Indiana State's resume, they're they're a lot, they're very similar, very similar. Campbell has a few more quality wins. Uh, but they have more more bad losses, I guess. Indiana State avoided the bad losses. I think it was like this. Okay, you have all these regionals in the Carolinas. You have five in the Carolinas alone, I think, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Or is it four? No, it's, it's Wake Forest. Wake, 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 Wake Forest, I believe. So, so you would have had five. Uh, you already have 25% of all your regionals in the Carolinas by themselves, a ton in the south. Uh, a ton from the Southeastern Conference. You know, if it comes down to it, I, I'm kind of looking at that map. I'm going, yeah, let's throw uh, Larry Bird's team a, a bone here. You know, the Sycamores. Because, yeah, Campbell Campbell's had a good team for a while. This is probably their best. But, you know, you'll probably be back to Eastern North Carolina at some point. But, when, when I mean, Terre Haute, Indiana, I mean, that, that part of Indiana is desolate as it is. You're, you're never getting back there. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, Evansville is probably, you know, I don't, I don't know. It can go on and on. I think it came down to geography. And I think it was like, well, you know, we missed out. You know, Boston College didn't quite make it. That would have been a Northeast region. You don't have anything in the Midwest. You have you don't even have anybody in Texas hosting this year, Chris. It is heavily concentrated in the Southeast. Mm-hmm. And so I think they just said, well, if it comes right down to it, geographic diversity. Oh, and by the way, the Indiana State Athletic Director was on the committee. So, you know, things that make you go home. But, uh, you know, hats off. And, and I think, too, the fact that Indiana State's bid was for their on-campus facility and Campbell's, they were going to have to move it to Fayetteville to a minor league park. Maybe that had something to do with it. But I, I don't know. I, I think it came down, though, to I, – I don't think say it was South Carolina or Campbell. I think, I think it was Indiana State or, or Campbell uh, at the end. So, you know – who knows? You know, it, it seemed like uh, maybe we were worried for nothing, uh, but certainly, uh, you know, there have been teams that have finished like the Gamecocks that haven't gotten the host. And so, um, you know, get Carolina's fortunate. I think they're fortunate with their draw, too. I think it's a, mm. it's a pretty good draw. And on that note, JC, we now turn our attention to the Columbia Regional as a whole. Of course, the Gamecocks will face Central Connecticut State on Friday night. The other two teams in the regional, NC State as the three-seed, and Campbell as the two seed. I do agree with you. I think the draw is as favorable as it can get. Those are all quality teams. But you look at some of the other regionals. By the way, the folks in the upstate, Clemson, their regional is brutal with Tennessee mm. and Charlotte coming in. But your thoughts on the regional, the way it sets up for the Gamecocks, and maybe your confidence level heading in the weekend that South Carolina can get out of that and advance the Super Regional round. I think it's a regional South Carolina can win. I think it's a regional South Carolina should win. Uh, I I I think you know hats off to Campbell. They've had a great year, but uh, you're talking about a South Carolina team that's at home that uh, was one of the best teams in college baseball when healthy. They're back to being healthy. Things have not been good, but uh, you know I don't I don't I don't look at Campbell or NC State or Central Connecticut and go. Wow, that's a tough draw. I did look at Clemson's regional and say that. <laughs> I was like, because my whole thing was, you know, Tennessee's not going to host most likely because they don't have the metrics to host. But I would not want to play them in a regional. And I, and I think it's probably, it's baffling to me why you'd send North Carolina to Indiana State and not Tennessee. Sure, Knoxville's closer to Clemson, but it's not that much closer. You know, I mean, you could have sent them up the road. I'd I think that was like the one team everybody wanted to avoid if you're hosting. It would be a team like Tennessee or Texas A&M. But, uh, you know, I, I think if you're the Gamecocks, great. You know, you got an upstart Campbell team that's had some good – had a great year, probably feels like they should have hosted. But they haven't played the team South Carolina's played. They have some quality wins. I mean, uh, I think they lost two games to USC Upstate down the stretch. Uh, last time I checked, Carolina beat USC Upstate pretty good a couple times. I know, I know Upstate beat Clemson and – Nothing against my alma mater there. Made the Golden Dome live in your heart forever. But uh, <laughs> it's, uh, you know, man, I, I just, I, I, I think there's something to be said. There's a reason why you're a mid-major. There's a reason why you haven't played 20 quad one games like the Gamecocks. Uh, there's a reason why, quite frankly, you're going on the road for a regional. And um, I, I think mid-major teams like that in baseball can be dangerous for sure. Uh, but I think they need to be exceptional when you start talking about them, how, how they compare to a, a, a group, a really good ACC team or an SEC team that's in the top half of the conference or even a Pac-12 or Big 12 team. I think, I think they had to be exceptional. I, I don't really see exceptional from them. 
Uh, NC State in a lot of years is dangerous, but they kind of backed in the tournament, didn't beat anybody. Mm. I didn't win a series against a team with a winning record. I don't think that that's what Little told me today. Um, certainly, they're always to be respected because, you know, two years ago, they went all the way to Omaha mm. and really got screwed, if you want to get yeah. right down yeah. to it, by COVID. Yeah. But uh, they're a proud program. Uh, I think the same guy that coaches is the guy that took over for Ray Tanner when he left NC State, uh, Avant, Elliot Avant, if I'm not mistaken. So, you always got to watch out for them. Central Connecticut has a, a nice lefty. They're going to start. That's um, he's what I call a mule uh, because he keep. I mean, he he'll he'll throw 130 pitches and turn around two days later, what like he did in his conference tournament, throw 94. Uh, and crafty lefties give this lineup problems from time to time. So there are some potholes. It's just when I looked at it, I was like, man, because I thought I thought of the Gamecocks were going to host. Certainly, I didn't think they'd send Tennessee. Maybe they'd send a Maryland, like that won the Big Ten that came in here and won a regional committee in North Carolina. You know, maybe a team out of the Big 12, like if Oklahoma State didn't host. Uh, I thought Carolina, they would for sure get a really challenging uh, opponent. And maybe they did. And they, they did, according to metrics, they probably got the most challenging opponent. But I just, I'm just not buying Campbell as a, as a team that, you know, should come in and, and, and knock off the Gamecocks. Not if this Gamecock team gets back to form and, and, and you know, gets back healthy and, and all that. I think, uh, you know, I think it's a regional. The Gamecocks can win and should win. The Campbell Camel is certainly getting a lot of love, JC, from a lot of different folks. And I, I've been telling yeah. people, just, just brace yourselves because I think – and I, I don't know that you'll see, like, a lot of picks. I don't know if it's, like, college football we will have, like, a – a game day crew make picks for the regionals, but I think Campbell is going to be looked at as a team for whatever reason that uh, people people pick as their upset pick, if you will. But you look at the regional again, like you mentioned, Central Connecticut State, the Northeast Conference champions, NC State, an under 500 ACC team in their conference, and Campbell, who again, to your point, one of the best offenses in college baseball and certainly one that could have been a host, but the body of work, the strength of schedule. I mean, have they really played a Gamecock or a team like the Gamecock and SEC level schedule? And I think the answer we all know is no. Mm-hmm. By the way, JC, that pitcher you mentioned, we referenced him early in the show, Dominic Neiman, who went 12 and 2 with a 2.76 ERA. So Central Connecticut State's probably going to throw a pretty damn good one on Friday. And it'll be up to South Carolina, of course, to, to solve that riddle, if you will. Uh, JC, sticking with the Yardcocks, the injury report, what's the latest? I know a lot of people have questions about Cole Messina. It sounds like Braylon Wimmer is going to be back healthy enough to be in the field. A lot of questions about Will Sanders. What can you tell us about the latest of the health with this Gamecocks baseball team? Uh, it's as good as it's been in a while. I mean, uh, Cole Messina is progressing through concussion protocol, which is not something that uh, – so it, it, it's kind of a crapshoot as far as how long it actually takes. Uh, to get through that concussion protocol, uh, and he's on track. Uh, I think Kingston said uh, yesterday that he's um, out there and, and, and doing some light workouts, and then you take another step. It's a process. you got to take another step. So barring a concussion setback, uh, which I don't know, I can't see happening, um, he'll be ready to go. Uh, Braylon Wimmer's ready to go to start it short. Now, that, that there's a lot of questions that come up with that because – you know, do you move Braswell to third? Does Lee Croy DH? Does, does somebody go to outfield? What happens with Tippett? You know, the, the lineup kind of shifts, but but make no mistake about it, Braylon Wimmer's the best shortstop defensively they've got and a team leader. Uh, 
the, the, the kids, Petri and those guys were talking about how it'd be great to have him back in the field. Um, you know, so so what do you do with a lineup against a crafty lefty? Do you try to get more left-handed bats in there, et cetera, et cetera? Um, those are all questions that will need to be answered. Now, I do think that uh, there's probably a good chance Eli Jones starts Friday. Uh, I would say, if I had to guess right now, it would be Jones, Mahoney, and Hicks with Becker maybe coming out of the bullpen. Um, but then again, you know, I think Mark Kingston at this point He's going to play the matchups, right? So, whatever the matchups say, that's probably where he's going to go. I don't. What I don't expect is for Jack Mahoney to start game one. Uh, I think they'll save him for a game two, uh, maybe help, maybe even a game three. I, I would guess game two, uh, and then go from there. You have Will Sanders now coming out of the bullpen. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need indeed. You know, so that almost allows you to have a nice setup with Becker and Hicks if it comes to it, if you need that, and you need somebody like Hicks in long relief or Becker in long relief um, if you need it, or Sanders if that's what needs to happen. So uh, getting Sanders back, even if it's out of the bullpen, I think is big. He's had good stuff in his career out of the bullpen before. Certainly he's a talent. Um, that, that gives you another arm out there and some flexibility. Uh, to play with. But look, you can do all that you want. This team's got to hit the ball better. Uh, This team's got to uh, stay focused on the mound. Uh, This team's got to have a good discipline at the plate uh, or or they're not going to go very far. Mm -hmm. Uh, Now, the good news is they've shown that when they're healthy this year that they can do it uh, and play that way. Uh, The the question is, will they refine that magic, so to speak, and and get out there and do it uh, during a regional and then hopefully a super regional the following week? Yeah, JC, the pitching strategy is what really stands out to me is what I'm most intrigued to see. You know, do they do they go with Eli Jones in game one? Because when you get to this time of year, right, JC, and I, I think, you know, I, I think if South Carolina was was fully healthy, which, listen, most teams aren't, but if, like, the weekend rotation was fully healthy, I don't think there'd be much debate. You'd go, you know, your game one starter, game two starter, game three starter. But, you know, it's, it's happening across college baseball. When you look at LSU, I'm sure they're having a discussion like, do we throw Paul Skeen's game one against the four seed? Do we save him? Like, where do you fall on that? Because I, I've always been of the belief, and uh, we talked about this yesterday, but I, I've always been of the belief you throw your best available and you worry about winning that game because I feel like if you don't do that, baseball is a funny game, man. The baseball gods like to play tricks, and you can get into a situation where – Things go sideways, and all of a sudden you've lost game one, and now you're really behind the eight ball in the regional. So your just overall thoughts on, again, I know you just touched on about how you think they'll approach it uh, this weekend on the bump. I mean, it sounds like Jones game one, Mahoney game two, Hicks game three, which I I would agree with, I'd be down with. But uh, 
you know, just your thoughts. Again, it does sound like, like you mentioned, Kingston will indeed play the matchup. So I wouldn't be surprised if we are surprised this weekend when it comes to, to who toes the rubber, if you will. Man, I'm not a baseball guy. I can talk about it. I like talking about it. I love the sport. Sports. So I, you know, I'm probably wrong. I'd throw Will Sanders on Friday. Okay. You know, <laughs> I would. That, I, I, as you know, as crazy as that sounds, I will say this, JC. You know, my number one question would be just can how long can he go realistically? Because yeah, he hasn't pitched sure. so long. But it would be that roll of the dice where you feel like you should be able to beat Central Connecticut State no matter what. Like, you yeah. should be able to to hit them. You shouldn't have to beat them two to one. The only thing I would say is a team like Central Connecticut State, you never know. That dude, Neiman, could go out there and just shove. And you only yeah. score two or three runs, and you better have your best guy out there on the mound pitching on sure. your side or it's going to be a long night. So, yeah. To your, My to question your would be, can, though, never can they hit his stuff? I mean, can they really – I mean – you know, would that if you were playing them in the regular season, would that be a get well game for him? I, I don't know. I that that's just kind of my crazy brain. That's probably not what's going to happen. I I think we'll see Eli Jones. You know, you asked me like what I would do if I had a, like let's say nothing had happened to Sanders all year, Noah Hall's healthy, and you had Mahoney as the Sunday starter, and that's the rotation that you had all year long. Uh, I think you go with your rotation you've had all year long. I don't think you switch it up at all for the reasons you mentioned. Because I've se- I've seen teams try to get cute like that, and they play a team they think they're supposed to just roll over. And then, like you said, that starting pitcher for that four seed is a future pro, and all of a sudden you get shut down, and, and your pitching isn't, you know, you don't have your top pitcher out there, uh, and, and you're not in a two to one game. You're in a five nothing game, and the other team has the lead. Um, so I've seen that blow up on many, many teams in the NCAA tournament before. But, you know, South Carolina, they it's kind of been a revolving door as far as who they've started when and things like that. You know, Eli has gotten the ball in, in the Friday night game or as soon as possible, uh, like in the SEC tournament. Um, you know, so so maybe he goes out there and and, and, and then you stick with Jones and then Mahoney and then, then Becker or, or whoever. Um, I thought James Hicks had a strong enough start uh, in the SEC tournament to strongly consider him. Um, you're throwing three righties out there and Becker's your lefty side. I don't, I don't really, you know, beyond Mahoney Jones, whoever, I don't, I don't really know how it'll stack up. I, I just know having Sanders there, you know, cause you got basically, you know, Jones and Mahoney are going to get the, the, you know, get the start, get to get one start each probably, hmm. you know, and then you got Hicks, Sanders, Becker, so you have some options there that are pretty intriguing. Uh, I, I do think that come regional time, if you lose a game, having a guy like Eli Jerzen back hurt, I mean, uh, kills you. Having Noah Hall kills you because, you know, you, you, you get in a situation where uh, if you're deep on your pitching staff, like you don't run out of pitching like the other team does. But the Gamecocks are not as deep as maybe they once were. And so I think – you know, we talk about what does the Jersey Beck situation really mean as far as, uh, you know, them losing him. It, it hurts in the preseason because you have a guy that's talented enough to be a Friday night starter in the SEC, you know, coming in and pitching a game five or a game six elimination game, something like that. Uh, and and we've seen through the years that can make a difference. But I, I still think, you know, getting Sanders back, Veach's back, I think the Gamecocks are in pretty good shape with uh, 
with their pitching setting up as good as can be expected heading into the tournament. Yeah, and I think you make a great point, JC, that South Carolina, you know, they still have pitching depth, but at one point they were in a position to, before guys got hurt, where if you lost a game in a regional or lost a game in an Omaha, for example, they were built to combat that. I don't know that they're really built to combat that anymore. And we saw that in the SEC tournament, right? Like you were asking guys to throw high-quality innings that had not done so all year, and it just did not work out very well for you. Uh, JC, let's move from the baseball side of things to football. Um, Matt Jones of Kentucky Sports Radio at KY Sports Radio. Of course, the SEC spring meetings are going on right now. One of the big topics of conversation is eight-game conference schedule, nine-game conference schedule. We'll see what happens. Uh, Matt Jones tweeted this just a bit ago. If the SEC stays at eight conference football games, Ross Dellinger reports Kentucky will play one permanent opponent every year, and it will be South Carolina. So your thoughts on that, us getting Shane Beamer against Mark Stoops on a year-in, hmm. year-out basis? You know, Chris, when, and I've been saying this for a while, you, you sort of it's probably, sort of a process of elimination because uh, if you're going to go 1-7, and, and look, there's a lot, a lot of different ways this thing can turn as far as do they do this just for one year or they're just waiting on more money from ESPN? Um, you know, are people going to be happy with the one seven? Uh, will the 2024 schedule not really be a true rotational thing? I mean, there's a lot of questions, but if it's just like, Hey, we're sticking with eight, we're going one seven, which I think is kind of wild, you know, basically, you know, 70% of your schedule flips over every year. Uh, and we've been sitting around here for 30 years, I mean, we playing, you know, the same teams for 32 straight years every year. So it's going to be kind of fun in that way. But when you look at the process of elimination, you're not going to, you know, Georgia, Florida, and Texas, Oklahoma are two huge network games. There's a reason they're on network TV every year. They're neutral site games. Everybody around the country tunes in for them. Uh, those are your two permanent opponents for, for Texas and Florida and Georgia and Oklahoma. Well, then you have the Thanksgiving Day border forced – I call them the forced rivalries a little bit. Uh, back in the 80s and 70s, A&M and LSU was a rivalry. It was a lot like Carolina-Georgia. But, uh, you know, so they play now on Thanksgiving weekend, and you're used to that. And then you got the, the, the big forced rivalry, Missouri-Arkansas, the border battle. You know, they weren't going to split those teams apart. Tennessee, after years of having to play Alabama every single year, they're happy to take their in-state rival uh, as their uh, the uh, as their permanent opponent, right? Who wouldn't? Uh, you know, I mentioned Georgia and Florida. They're not going to not play the Egg Bowl. They're not going to not play the Iron Bowl. Uh, you know, so who does that – I mean, that basically leaves South Carolina and Kentucky <laughs> at the end. And um, – and I think that's fine if you're the Gamecocks. You know, n- nothing lasts forever. Uh, and Mark Stoops historically has done a fantastic job with the Wildcats. Uh, you know, either with him coaching them or in the – is that sustainable? You know, are, are they set up to be, you know, really good for a while? Probably not. Probably not. And, and history will tell you that. Um, and, and geography will tell you that because there's not a lot of players in Kentucky. But, uh, you know, so if you're looking at something permanent and you're the Gamecocks, you, I think Kentucky's a, a, a perfect match for you. You know, would you have rather had Vanderbilt? Sure. Would you, maybe Missouri? Sure. Uh, if you're a masochist, maybe Georgia. But, uh, 
with the way it was supposed to be, you know, with the way they set it up and with the must-have games every year, Chris, it, it ended up that was really the only option, you know, like I said, because you're not going to cancel the Egg Bowl and, you know, some of these other games that, uh, you know, that have to be played every year. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, JC, I think everybody would sign up for Vandy if they could, but unfortunately only only one team can get that uh, that permanent rifle. So Good old uh, Rocky Top. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, indeed, indeed. And, and, and I, I'm not mad at them. I'm not mad yeah. at them because they've had to play Alabama for 17 years. I mean, yeah. I'm not mad at Tennessee. for there's, there's a lot of things to dislike Tennessee over. That's not one of them. I'm, mm. You know, what goes around comes around. Man, you guys deserve it because I've watched several of those – ass beatings over the years between them and Bama and it, it, yeah. they just haven't been fun. So, yeah. you know, there you go. Yeah. It's been ugly for quite some time. JC, one last thing uh, before I get you out of here, I know June, we're going to be talking a lot of recruiting, so I'll save that for them. But yesterday on, on the show yesterday, I, I like to rank the opponents on the upcoming schedule, the upcoming football season from, you know, easiest to most difficult with no disrespect to anybody, but just keeping it real, obviously the, the easiest game to the most difficult the one that stumped me, and I just want to get your take, what do you think is a more difficult game at Texas A&M or against Clemson at home? Whew, that's a good one. Because uh, historically, Carolina stinks in both categories. <laughs> uh, I know we all remember the Spurrier era, but uh, there was a long time, like back in the 90s, that I think that rivalry went like six years of yeah. no the road no team home winning team like winning. every game. Yeah. 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 And uh so and historically I think Carolina's record is winning percentage wise is much better uh, at, at Memorial Stadium than Williams Bryce. Of course they, they played in Columbia every year until nineteen sixty, so mm-hmm. there's a lot more games. But I, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna add a and, and uh, look, I'm not convinced just because they've got all these recruits. You know, people people <laughs> gravitated to that last year and made them a top five team. Well, now they're gravitating back to it, going, "Oh, well, oh, well, now they're a top sixteen team." You know, why aren't they a top five team? Because most of those guys are still there. They lost a few skill guys. They still got all the D linemen they recruited that you guys, you know, thought they had all of a sudden whoopee, you're going to be in the top five, like like the dream team, like the Fab Five came to Texas A and M. Um, and I think, you know, it's going to be interesting to see if that happens because you talk about history, A&M's one of those, sometimes they just can't get out of their own way. And, but I'll say this, that atmosphere out there, uh, and the, the loud stadium and just sort of what you're walking into at Kyle field, you know, especially if it's a night game, if that that's, that's been tough for Carolina. I mean, Carolina's could. Uh, Carolina competed with them the first couple times they went down there. They haven't competed with them since. Um, and so I, I'll say at a and I, I, now if I were ranking the two teams, I'd probably rank Clemson ahead of a and I think Clemson will have a better record than Texas A&M next year, but just sort of because of like where it's at and, you know, it, you know Carolina's played good games in death. Now the only decent performance against Clemson, uh, the Will Muschamp era was in 2018. Where was that game? It was up at uh, Clemson. Um, Carolina just had, they've never played super duper outside of a half or really two halves in 15 and 17 out in college station. So, 
Uh, I'll go with that one. I know it's a long-winded answer, but that's a very complicated question. Mm -hmm. And uh, I did read your rankings, and I really didn't disagree with much on it. I I didn't at all. I thought those were – I thought that was really fair and awesome. Yeah, I shifted a couple. I dropped that list actually back in January just as a graphic, what have you, without really any explanations. It was a fun conversation yesterday. Like I said, I flip-flopped a couple. For example, Mississippi State ahead of Florida. But, you know, obviously the transfer portal has impacted some of these teams, if you will. But uh, I I went back and forth on that one. But you know what? I'll be honest with you. One of the things that made me put Clemson ahead of Texas A&M, I gave A&M, like many others, I gave them so much credit last year, and they just made me look like a damn fool. So I'm like, you know what? I think they'll be better, but I feel like I need to see it first. And I will say I think Clemson still probably got one of the best rosters Carolina faces, even though, you know, of course, we beat them last year and – they had a quote-unquote down year, even though they won the conference. That's still probably one of the best rosters, and I, I do believe, you know, the addition of Garrett Riley. I'm not saying Kate Clubney is going to win the Heisman. I think it's going to help him out. I, I think they're going to be better. Sure. They replaced their version of Marcus Satterfield with that guy. So yeah, they, they had a hard good, to believe they're not going to be a little better on offense. But they had I a really good hire. Yeah, and I'll, I'll say this to you with AM. I, I was. I was not a buyer of A&M last year, but I was dead wrong as to why. Yeah. I thought, well, Jimbo's got it's got A-chain. They've got a talented bunch of receivers. Uh, surely if this kid, uh, whoever the kid is that got benched or whatever, it was terrible. If he didn't work out, you got Max Johnson. It was really good at LSU coming in. Uh, they've got offensive talent. I was just like, ah, eh, they got a bunch of freshmen up front on defense. They're probably not going to be that good. Well, lo and behold, they're pretty salty on defense. And then their offense just couldn't get it going. So the reasons why they weren't good were, were very surprising to me. So I, I missed on them just like everybody else uh, in terms of the, the nitty gritty when it comes to the Aggies. But like I said, <clears throat> they long before they joined the SEC team program that can't get out of their own way for whatever reason. And uh, I hate it for their fans, but that's just how they they are. Yeah, JC, I was going to say, Texas A&M offensively made South Carolina like a futuristic, like forward-thinking offense, if that tells you anything. I mean, really, Mm. truly. So, anyways, JC Sherbert inside the Gamecocks of the Big Spur. JC, looking forward to joining you guys uh, later this week on Friday. And I know we're all excited for the weekend ahead with the Columbia Regional. But great stuff as always, my friend. Take care. I appreciate you. We'll do it again next week. All right. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, guys. Take care. Yes, sir. We'll talk soon. Chapman, welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.